Hey everyone, welcome back for another episode of Vinyl Divers. I am your host, Anthony Mullen. Uh, we have a cool episode ahead of you. I have a cool episode. It's going to be fun. Uh, a little bit different. It's not going to be about a band. We're going for more of a soundtrack, so that's going to be cool. Uh, what I'm sharing today is awesome. It's a 1980s cult classic, uh, along with The Breakfast Club, Pretty in Pink, 16 Candles. Uh, today, I'm going to go back to a movie that I just discovered about a year and a half ago called St. Elmo's Fire. It's a coming-of-age movie that follows multiple stories from a group of friends after they're finishing up college at Georgetown. And it's a cool movie where, if those of you that have never seen it, where these group of friends, you kind of get to see a fast forward in their life of their mid-20s where college is over, the party days are over, and now you have to deal with real life. You have to deal with the job. You have to deal with real relationship issues. You need to deal with the friends that haven't moved forward, the ones that are still stuck in the past. And this movie, I think, can relate to a lot of people because of that. A lot of people see this and they remember their 20s and I'm in my mid I'm in my early mid 20s and I'm feeling this this movie I really relate to it a lot right now because you know 5 6 years ago back in back at the end of high school beginning of college yeah I used to go out and party all the week on weekends and that was me and my friends and now you know I have that one friend that still loves that party life and you can see it affecting them and I have the friends that they don't party at all now and they're strict work and you have I have a friend that's getting married, ones that are trying to get pregnant, and I see that. And this movie, St. Almost Fire, is kind of a it's a good feel. It's one of those kind of like when you're sick and you want to eat some good food and you have eat those comfort foods cause that comfort food because it makes you feel warm inside. You're just like, that's good. That was relaxing. That's kind of how watching this movie, it makes me kind of feel like I'm not alone. And obviously I'm not alone, but gives you that reassurance and it's one of those good movies and it's got an iconic soundtrack not with like top hit songs nothing like guardians of the galaxy soundtrack where like those are hit after hit the the sound the, the songs that are in this movie when they play you instantly go right back to that movie and you're like oh i know exactly where this is from and it's really good um the best way I can relate this one to, because when you think of the 1980s cult classics, one of the biggest movies that come to my mind is Breakfast Club. And it's the same crew of actors as um, essentially the Brat Pack, which I just learned was what they were. It's kind of cool. And I think I like this movie better than The Breakfast Club, but I'll say that I will watch The Breakfast Club more often. I'll willingly put it on the TV more. I'll enjoy it more. Because it's more the happy-go-lucky friends are hanging out, they're in detention, and are not friends. They're hanging out, they're in detention. But then you have this one where it's some real-life problems, some real-life hitting them. And I think this one is done a, to my taste. I prefer this one a lot more. But it, I see it in the same relationship as the Kevin Smith movies. I love the movie Chasing Amy. It is my one of my top five favorite movies. I love it. But I can only watch it once every couple months where it's like, you know what? I guess today's the day I'm going to watch. It. And that happened like three, that happened like two weeks ago. So it's done for it until the end of the summer. But I'll watch Mall Rats if I want. I watch it every other day. I can watch Jane Silent Bob Strike Back every other day. I can watch Clerks 2 every couple days. Chasing Amy is one of those movies where it's a little harder to. And that's how I feel about this one, St. Almost Fire. It's 
more of a just it's a phenomenal movie well done these characters you you feel like you're part of their crew you feel like you're part of the brat pack the the these group this group of friends that they're trying to get over these college the uh post-college years and it's what I thought was weird was seeing actors such as uh, Judd Nelson playing a drastic role change that I previously known him in. I know he's done many different roles, but I would think of Bender from The Breakfast Club, the the burnout, uh, um, the skid, the 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 tough guy. You don't want to mess with the the guy the the fathers and mothers tell the girls to not to stay away from. And now you see him as a politician to be uh, suit guy. And it was really different to see an actor be in such different roles. And I really like that about this movie. And honestly, it matches the soundtrack. And when I first bought this record, I got it for four bucks at a shop on a whim. It was like 830 at night. Uh, The shop was going to be closing. They're getting ready. No, it was like quarter to nine. Like they were really wrapping up and closing. And I was like, oh, Amber, let's go in this one shop. It's right here. And She's annoyed. She wants to go home. And I'm like, please, let me just look. I don't want to buy anything. And I go in. I'm looking. There's no ska. There's no punk. Nothing. I see soundtracks. I don't know why, but I start going through a soundtrack bin. And I see St. Elmo's Fired. I pull it out. I'm like, oh, I'm going to buy this. She goes, you're so stupid. She walks away. I come back to the car and she goes, did you buy it? I'm like, yeah. So I get so excited. I can't wait till I go home. Can't wait till we get home. I can't wait to play it. That's going to be awesome. I'm going to it's be it's a great I, there's this one song i want to hear on it and go home i start playing it and i look over at amber and she's just kind of staring at me and i'm like why are you not like enjoying this more come to find out she's never seen the movie saying almost fire so we stopped it right there we watched the movie she didn't like it <laughs> which it had her differences we moved forward from that and then i went i turned off the movie and i went back to the album and started playing it and What's great is this album kicks off with an iconic synth from the song St. Elmo's Fire, Man in Motion. Going into this out, al- going into this album, I realized it's not like one band where I could start talking about the history of the band. So I decided, let me start looking into all these other songs I want to talk about. And come to find out, so this song was performed by John Parr. It was originally written by David Foster. He was a popular, well-known musician and producer for many other musicians, uh, such as Alice Cooper, Celine Dion, Michael Jackson, and Madonna, actually, to name a few. And this song was originally written for a Canadian athlete named Rick Hansen. And it was written for him because Rick Hansen was a famous athlete who had, um, he was paralyzed and was in a wheelchair. And he was actually doing a world tour to raise awareness for spinal cord injuries. And it was called the Man in Motion Tour. This song is a single, hit the number one on the U.S. Billboard Hot 100 on September 7th, 1985. And as a worldwide hit, it was a number one as well. I really like this song. It had that drive. It, it gives me that. It's one of those songs I feel like it can sum up the feeling of the 80s. It 
got a little bit of that popness to it. It's got that guitar. It's got that drum. You know, if you're in your 20s, you kind of got that motivation to keep going to work. It's got that drive feeling to it that you're working day in and day out. But there's still this fun to it. And when this horns come in later in the song, it kind of fits in because this whole movie takes place at the bar St. Elmo's. And while they're there, the one character, Billy, will play the saxophone with his band and it kind of meshes into it. So when the song plays and you kind of like fade into he was he was playing on stage and it, it just fits really well. And it just it, it it's meant to happen like it, it's a good song. And it's one of those iconic songs when I think of this album. This is the song that kind of one of them sticks to mind. And I really liked it. Um, the album, it proceeds to play through some other great songs. Uh, you have Billy Squire's Shakedown. It's got this wicked funk bass uh, line with this melodic guitar and this crunch to it. It uh, really makes you think you were still in the 80s. That It's got that hard rock flow. It's not like 80s hair metal, but it was more of like if you took some 70s hard rock, put it in the 80s, popped it up a bit, and toned down the distortion. Tone it, tone it down from 11 a bit and make it like radio friendly to like a general wider audience. And what I liked about the flow of this one is that it actually moves into the third song, which is John Elefante's, uh, who, what I learned was from the rock band Kansas, Young and Innocent. What's really cool is that uh, Billy Squire Shakedown, the beginning starts with like this, this wishing like snap sound. And then ends with it. So it kind of breaks the flow a bit. But the the rock band Kansas, you could tell that the uh, writer, John Elefante, he really just, he had this arena rock vibe going for it. And it just makes sense because after I learned it was Kansas, it was obvious. I felt like I was listening to Kansas for it. And I'm going to actually have to play a clip for you right here. So I really like this song because it's it's a great piano. It's got the horns. It's got the rock comes into it. it. Like I said, it makes you feel like you're listening to a Kansas song. And it's got that arena rock vibe. And this album kind of fluctuates between a techno, 80s techno pop to arena rock to some classic, just hard rock. And it sums up a great 80s. It sums up the 80s into it greatly kind of how each of these characters are doing are off doing different things the album is versatile and diverges in other directions um, the song really finishes out with an 80s pop rock with uh, the time is and it was really right and then it saved my life the two other uh, the fourth and fifth tracks returning with the hard rocks and the guitar licks it just has this this pop synth sound that just I like it I'm not going to say it's my favorite. I'm not going to go through and put these in my must playlist. But I realized as I was listening to this album, these are some actually really good DJ songs because for like weddings or like background music, if I need to put like songs together on the fly for moods and moments, I think that's a great album to look back on saying, you know what? That one song from uh, St. Almost Fire, I'll just type in the album and I may pick songs from the side for moods or settings if I'm trying to set up a feel. I think that's what this song's this album's great for is that 
the soundtrack's not just building my knowledge of one band. It's more or less building my knowledge for a feeling, for an environment, for an emotion. And I think if anything that from this, that's what I've gained from it. Side A was really good. Side B was cool. Uh, I, I liked the songs for the first half of side B and I, it's a love hate relationship because I like side B, but they played essentially the same song three times. I don't know how I feel about that. Uh, that's going to knock off some points at the end. That's what I'll say is uh, side B. It starts off with a very, uh, another iconic melody from this movie that where you think of this song, this thing, when you think of this movie, certain songs come to mind and, along with the Man in the Motion one, and one song that I thought was going to be on this album, which pissed me off, <laughs> was the song that Billy plays in the... Uh, Billy plays at the Halloween theme. It says, um, I, they don't have it on it, and it pissed me off. It was One Love. Because they don't have the song One Love on this album, it really pissed me off. Because that's the song I bought the album for. They didn't have it. That was the song I was expecting to be played first on this side. And when I put it on, it was the love, the love theme from St. Elmo's Fire. Like I said, when you hear that, what I think I really like about the song is that it brings you back to the moment of the movies where they're trying to move forward. They're trying to kind of speed up time and stuff's happening in the background. And you can relate the feeling of life moving forward. And they're in their 20s. And that song, it's an instrumental and there's no lyrics to it yet. It's still fun to listen to. It's cool. It's got this rolling string section that I really like it's I think that's what catches me with it is this this running strings of the dun 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 keeps going throughout the whole song and it's really catchy and it's like all right you got me and then you hear these like synth keys I don't know if it's like maybe the roads playing but it's just very I don't say haphazardly or half ass put in but it's put in so nonchalantly like it was it it catches you off and you're like oh yeah that does fit that does fit in right. And then they have this little piano that kicks up, or not little piano, this little bass that kicks up here and there. And then this wicked killer sax lead. And this is where it threw me off. Is <laughs> because when I heard this sax lead, I'm like, oh no, this is the song that I like. And then it's not. So it, you know, it kind of was misleading in a bit. But then I go back to the strings and the the synth with the echoing drums. And it's honestly a great song. And this it's a very smooth transition into vicky mosses if i turn you away and vicky was cool she's actually was a fresh artist that did not have many hits besides this one this one she sang a duet with t with tim feehan entitled never say die and uh because of being in the music being in the music business she actually was an associate of dave foster and she actually sang lead vocals on a song called love at second sight on his first studio out on his first solo album so because of being, I think they're both Canadian and because they are both musicians being in there, she got put with a song and got put on this album. This is actually one of her most well-known songs of what she's known for. And 
it's really cool. It was actually a really good song. I liked hers. I kind of wanted to feature it and play that one for you guys, but I I felt like the the love theme was a lot more appropriate because it's kind of like the iconic St. Elmo's song, I think, along with the Man in Motion. And the the two last songs are reprises. Sorry, no. The next song is uh, Turning Into Airplay Stressed Out. It's uh, Close on the Edge. What I liked about this one, it was a uh, pop song with some techno beats and it had this rock and drum hook. And it had this like hip hop feel where it was repetitive. It didn't really do a lot of changing up. It was just very same. I didn't really notice any guitars into it. It was just this great background music, kind of not ambience music, but this is like a great song where you could put on the background at a party, at a wedding, at an at an environment rather than you're not looking for this one song, but you know what? That was a good song. People will hear it, will relate to it and go, isn't that the song from St. Saint, from Saint Elmo's Fire without being obvious and being giving it away? Yet, they don't have to try and hear it and listen in to sing with it. It's not some iconic song like Journeys, Don't Stop Believing, where the minute you play it, everyone's going to be like, oh, I know this song. This is one of those like, oh, wait, this is that. This is that song. This is their place. And it's really cool. It's actually a great song. And I like that. Uh, the last two songs are reprises of the love theme from the beginning of this side. And this is where, this is where the love hate kind of comes back in because the, the first reprise that comes through, it's called Georgetown and is purely just an instrumental. It's a little bit more upbeat. It's got some added horns into it. And I do like the love theme. So I do like this one. It's enjoyable. It's a variation of it, a, moving forward kind of like speeding up feeling and it was pretty good um wasn't bad but then when it ended and when i was listening to it first i thought it was just all the same song the strings pick up again and another song starts and as i went back and looked in looked into it this was just another reprisal it's uh the love theme from saint Elmo's fire if you look at it but this time it's in a parentheses just for a mo for just a moment this one actually has vocals throughout it. It's someone singing it. And I do like this one. It's a little bit slower than the original version of it. It's a little more ballady, I would say. And actually, it's a rock ballad. It's, it's a great rock ballad, is my opinion. I couldn't call it a power ballad because when I think of a power ballad, I'm going to think of White Snakes, uh, here I go again. I'm going to think of, I remember you. I'm going to think of these wicked lead solos and some eighties metal. And this really didn't have that flow. It was more or less a duet and it's got that synth in the background. So it's almost like a pop rock ballad, power rock, power ballad. I, it's not a power ballad. I don't know where to classify this, but it's a good song and be with the two, with the duet going, it was a change up it, rather than just one person singing multiple different songs uh the duet was actually a different the duet threw a different element to it i really liked it um the duet was by donnie uh gerard and amy holland it's phenomenal and it's super hard to find out who did this uh duet because whenever you google it it just shows david foster because he's the one that wrote it and anytime you try to figure out what he's singing or who's singing the song nothing pops up and i actually found it on accident who uh was the vocals for it i i liked it um, this one I probably would play again. I, I may, I think I would put on the album to hear this out to hear the song. It wasn't bad. It was enjoyable. Like I said, 
I wouldn't go out of my way to listen to this one song, but you know, if I'm cleaning the house and maybe I have people over, it's, I'll put this album on. Um, and as I said before, the only problem I really have with this soundtrack that really just grinds the gears is that they don't have that the song One Love. And I love that song so much that when I actually, after I watched this movie, I was still working at Walgreens back years ago or about a year or two ago. And I remember being in the stock room because I used to slack off <laughs> and I'm trying to search up this, this song. Go, What's that one song from St. Elmo's Fired? It kept giving me Man in, the, Man in Motion, kept giving me the love theme, give me every other song. And when I would search up song with a uh, saxophone from the St. Elmo's Fire or Hall- Halloween scene, it just kept giving me other songs. It wouldn't give it to me. And then finally I figured it out. One love. And I love it. It's, um, Billy's band actually plays it and it's not their song originally, but it's killer. And I don't know why it's not on the album. It, it confuses me when you actually, um, wiki, like the, when you actually search up St. Elmo's fire soundtrack listing, it's listed there as track six, but on my vinyl, it's not there. When you go to discogs and on the, I have the 85 release edition of it. It's not on there. The album is only 10 tracks and it's not on there. When you wiki it, it shows that there's 12 tracks on the full soundtrack. I don't know how I get that. So if you have, if you have a 45 or a single of One Love by St. Elmo's Fire, hit me up. I'll tell you where to send, where to email me at the end of the show. I would appreciate it. I'll buy it from you. I'm going to go looking for it. So point me in the right direction. Point me to the link where I can buy it. I would love that. Um, but what I'll say is to conclude is that I'm generally not a fan of soundtracks. Um, the out the I guess the movie that got me interested in soundtracks was Guardians of the Galaxy. I feel the Awesome Mix Volume One and Two are great, well put albums, and it makes me feel like a mixtape. I think that's kind of what hooked me into it. Is that I think that's the kind of flow is that Star Lord's mom makes him a mixtape, and they put out such a great soundtrack that after I heard this song, I was like, you know what? I guess I'll buy this album for that one song, and I did spend a lot on it. it was Four dollars. It was. You know, not bad. And then I not I didn't have the song, but it was cool. You know, it kind of broke me into getting a soundtrack where a collection of songs, a collection of music, it expanded me and I think I grew as a musician, grew as a uh, music lover for it. And, you know, I recommend this album as a good background record. Possibly, like I said, if people are over, if you want to throw something on and forget about it for like roughly twenty minutes because you gotta switch the side. <laughs> um it's fun. It's not bad. Uh, I wouldn't say go out and hunt for it unless you like are saying almost saying almost fire like fanatic and you want it, but then you probably already have it. I would say uh, if you see it and you have like an extra, like you have a couple bucks change and you, what the hell, why not? I say go for it. The movie had some great songs and they're on it. Uh, I want to go through my physical copy right now. So give me a minute while I pull it out. So, so the copy I have, it was put out through Atlantic Records and uh, straight up on it, St. Elmo's Fire original motion picture soundtrack is in stereo. I didn't notice that one before. That's actually really kind of cool. And yeah, 1985 Atlantic Records, side one, side two. My copy wasn't that beat up, which was actually really happy. I haven't noticed any skips on it when I listened to it. I put it, I played it a few times, so it's got it's, I've got my money's worth out of it. The actual, um, I guess, record sleeve, the cassette, the case it came in is really cool. The cover is the, is the, um, 
red cover with the picture on the front with them all sitting out in front on the bench with the bicycle. It's very just vintage antique looking. And it's just got this classic look to it. Just, you know, it's got this classic. And I can't express any other way. It's just good. And then the back is actually cool. It's got the uh, sh- the songs listed on it. And it actually has kind of like the movie where it shows all the actors on it. Kind of like a playbill is up on the very top. And then the bottom, it's a landscape shot, like a wide shot of multiple tables of the different scenes. Where you have one picture with the girls sitting there. There's a picture in the middle with all the guy with the, with everyone together at St. Elmo's Fire. And then off to the side, there is a picture with the guys sitting there. It was really cool. I liked it. And the pictures are cool. And the, the case I got it with isn't that beat up. There's a small impression of where the record would be, where the, you could see the ring on the outside of it. And the corners are a little, got like some scratches on them. And like maybe like a little bend in the one side, but it's not bad. It's actually pretty good condition. The actual like little paper sleeve that came with it's kind of beat the shit, but whatever. You know, it's still cool. Uh, I'm gonna rate this album, and as usual, as per the rules state, I start off with five because every time you buy something, you at least are buying it for a reason, so you have to give it a neutral stance. Now I rate out of one to one to ten. We haven't had to go up or we haven't had to go above or below it yet. So right now it's one to 10 and we start off with five. I'm going to give it one point because I like the movie. I'm going to give it one point because of man in motion is a solid song where this one was actually sold as a single. It broke charts. It hit a uh, top playlist. I'll give it a point for that. I'm also going to give it uh, one more point because I love no, I'm going to give it one point because I like the love theme. I really do. The The love theme song is really good, obviously. I played it for you. It's iconic. But I'm going to take away one point because the love theme reprises on the same side multiple times. And I'd say if there was a split where maybe if the love theme was the fifth song on side A and then there was a different song and then maybe the second song on side B was the reprise of it and then they concluded side B with um, the one with lyrics for just a moment, I wouldn't have had to take away a point. But when you listen to a solid side A where every song really flows into one another and then you get to the second side and it's instrumental, couple songs, and then the last two are the same or essentially a repeat of the beginning of it, it just was too much. It was like, all right, you, you kind of irked me there. So I took off a point. And then I do take off one point because it does not have one love because that sax solo that Billy plays in it is phenomenal and it is one of the iconic standout scenes in the movie where I think about that movie I think of two things think of the scene with him where he's playing the sax on the stage and the girls are up on the stage dancing and everyone's in costumes and then I think of the scene where or I just think of them all going I think of those two things and they didn't have the one in the one song on it so I took away a point uh, it's going to leave us up with a total of six points. I'll say it's a good vinyl for four bu- for four bucks. I'm not disappointed. I wouldn't pay anything more than $4 for it, but I feel I got my money's worth out of it. If I could go back and repurchase this, um, maybe I try and talk them down a dollar, depending on my mood. Maybe not, maybe so, but I don't regret buying it. This was a good album. I really did. Uh, 
But that was the soundtrack for St. Elmo's Fire. Thank you for diving in for another episode. Uh, please check me out on social media and follow me on Instagram at Vinyl Divers Podcast, Twitter at Vinyl Divers Pod. You can get me on Facebook at Vinyl Divers Podcast. And finally, if there's an album you want me to review or want to reach out and say hi to me, you can email me at Vinyl Divers Podcast at gmail.com. I would love to hear from the fellow dive team. And then don't forget to head over to the network at the BICBP-radio.com. We have t-shirts for sale along with other great podcasts. Thank you.